We were married 40 years ago. We were married three years, got a divorce. Then I married Marjorie. But first you lived with Barbara. You're right, Barbara. But I didn't marry Barbara, I married Marjorie. Then you got a divorce. Right, then I married Katie. Another divorce. Then a couple of years later at Eddie Colicchio's funeral, I ran into her. I was some girl I don't even remember. Roberta. Right, Roberta. But I couldn't take my eyes off you. I remember I snuck over to her and I said, what did I say? You said, what are you doing after? Right. So I ditched Roberta, we go for coffee, a month later we're married. 35 years today after our first marriage. I still remember the first time I saw him. I thought to myself, his picture's at least 10 years old and wow, he left out a few details. We got into the car and I got my first clue, a jar of peanut butter sitting on the dash with a spoon in it. Later, we were driving along. It was a hot day. We had all the windows rolled down, doing 65 down the highway. My hair was flying everywhere. He turned to me and said, you and I were perfect for each other. I'm hard of hearing and you're really loud. I think this was my favorite part. We were sitting there eating dinner and he says to me, what's your middle name? kind of looked at me and said, I think I'd like to name my new poodle after you. Ah, internet dating. Well, good morning. For those of you who don't know, that's our very own Amy Fiel, um, the second one. She's absolutely incredible. She has so many stories that are just absolutely hysterical like that. Uh, is that better, Daisy? So, but anyway, yeah, she's absolutely hysterical. She's one of my new favorite people. Um, for those of you who know um, Shoni's and my constant going back and forth on things, I told Shoni this morning that she's almost the antithesis of Shoni. She's somebody that I like and who's funny. So, um, I hope that wasn't too mean. <laughs> well, for those of you who may not have been with us last week, we've been doing this series on uh, G Harmony out of the Song of Solomon, or the Song of Songs, or the Song, however your Bible may choose to label it. There's about 40 different ways, it seems, different translations label this particular book. Uh, last week, Russ talked about attraction. He talked about uh, four things, really, of looking for godly character, building godly trust, uh, practicing godly standards, and growing through godly encouragement. This week, wanted to talk about seasons. I know it says timing up. Talk about seasons. We decided that we liked that name better. Um, I wanted to talk first about a season in my own life uh, when I was single before I met my wife. Um, I kind of felt initially really, hearing Russ tell stories, I really kind of felt intimidated at first because he's always telling these stories of, well, I went out with this woman, then I dated this woman, then I dated this woman, then I dated this woman, then I met Chris. And it's just all these wonderful stories of different women that he dated. And I was thinking, the dude's pretty prolific. Um, I was pretty impressed. <clears throat> I guess that gives him the courage to say things like the place was filled with the smell of incest. Incense. Um, <laughs> that was a quote about a church he walked into. Um, <laughs> but I kind of recounted my dating history. And I looked at it, and I've been out with six women. Four were first dates. 
Um, two actually were serious relationships. And uh, out of those two, one was obviously my wife, Emily. Um, so I think I did things the right way. I was able to, you know, obviously meet an incredible woman who is just the perfect person for me. But I didn't uh, nearly date as many people as um, Russ did. <laughs> you know, I'm wondering, maybe it was the stonewashed jeans or the white Don Johnson pants or those slick black leather ties. Um, we talked yesterday, he didn't have a rat tail. Um, my, uh, my attire was more of like the baggy sweatshirts, uh, hooded sweatshirts, um, and like really baggy pants, and I had some gold boots for a while. So <laughs> I've done a lot of growing myself, I think. So anyway, kind of the story of like that season in my life, um, I was just wondering, this whole thing, my, the relationship that I was in, the serious relationship before I met my wife, I really spent a lot of that time, um, we got together and we kind of split up because our lives weren't going in the same direction. But after that, I really had this time of soul searching of, God, is there anyone out there for me? And will I ever find the right one for me? And I really began to just to search through a lot of this, God, what is, what is your plan for my life in this? And it was a really tough season in my life. Um, so now that I guess you've learned some about my kind of relationship history, I wanted to kind of ask you guys a question. What do you feel, which of these TV relationships here would you feel best summarizes your relationship experiences? First of all, we have, and we've got pictures in case you want to know who they are. We have Ward and June Cleaver. You may feel that one. You can write this on your card if you want. Um, the poll's also on version. Um, they're kind of this perfect couple. They were written for each other. It's just great. Secondly, maybe you may feel more like this next couple, Archie and Edith Bunker. <laughs> Hopefully my dad doesn't raise his hand and say, that's me, because then I'd be meathead. So, <laughs> thirdly, uh, and they were more of the couple of, Archie was always very much kind of concerned with himself, and Edith was just this kind of loving, loyal, faithful friend. Um, next, we may have Homer and Marge from The Simpsons, where one is the constant child. Thank you, Spence. And uh, Marge is always cleaning up his messes. Or maybe you may feel more like Ross and Rachel from the TV show Friends, where they could never quite work things out until the final episode, where their one was always with someone else uh, when they were single and vice versa. Or lastly, you may feel more like Andy and Angela from The Office, that... <laughs> One is the dominant, controlling, domineering, uh, forceful uh, lady, and uh, the other guy is kind of an incompetent follower, uh, lackey kind of a thing. So I don't know where you may fall in this. Um, I hope there's hope. You know, now that we've looked into really how, <laughs> how awkwardly horrid that relationships can be as far as in the dating experience and these kind of a thing, um, I'd really like to look into what the Bible tells us about this. <laughs> Um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn in them to the Song of Solomon, chapter 2. We'll start in verse 8. And uh, if you're wondering where that is, basically go to Psalms and then head to the right, unless you have a Chinese Bible, which is written in reverse. You go to the left. And head uh, to the right about four books, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. And uh, that's we'll start in verse 2. But before that, Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verse 1, says that, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. I want to talk about today that there is a season for everything in relationships, that there are seasons in relationships. 
So let's start. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, and verse 8. And this is the young woman. This is uh, the wife who's speaking here. And she's kind of recounting over some of her, um, just their relationship. And she says, uh, I hear my lover coming. He is leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. My lover is like a swift gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he is behind the wall, looking through the window, peering into the room. My lover said to me, rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. Look, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. The flowers are springing up. The season of singing birds has come. And the cooing of turtle doves fills the air. The fig trees are forming young fruit. And the fragrant grapevines are blossoming. Rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. Then to this, the young man replies. And I think this is an incredibly creepy picture, but it's the best one we could find. Um, (laughs) My dove is hiding behind the rocks, he says, behind an outcrop on the cliff. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is pleasant and your face is lovely. And then the young women of Jerusalem come in here. And uh, this is kind of more of a conscience type thing coming in or more of a moral guiding. And they say, Catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love, for the grapevine vines are blossoming. Now, just a quick little uh, tangent here. What the vineyard, when you read this in Song of Solomon, what the vineyard is constantly referring to is their relationship. Um, and she's saying, you know, that, look, the vineyard of love, our relationship is in full bloom, it's blossoming. That's what they're, that's what they're talking about here. When you see the word vineyard, keep that in mind. Then the young woman replies, My lover is mine, and I am his. He browses among the lilies. Before the dawn breezes blow, and the night shadows flee, return to me, my love, like a gazelle or a young stag on the rugged rugged mountains. Today I want to talk about the seasons in in a dating relationship. First of all, as we see in verses 11 and 12, that you will have a season of preparation. And that's the winter season. If you look in verses 11 and 12, it talks about how the winter is gone, that it's past. And uh, the winter is that season of preparation. You may wonder, um, why is this so important? Now, the, the woman who's saying this, the Shulamite woman, the, the wife here, she was a woman, as Russ talked about last week, who had worked the field for her life. So she, she'd worked hard. She'd done physical labor. She understood what farming and the seasons meant. And I'm sure as many of the people who are acquainted with that stuff here could let us know, that in the wintertime, it may not look like much is happening in the fields, that they're covered over with snow here in Montana. Um, everything looks like it's dying, but the ground is actually rejuvenating, regenerating itself for the next planting season. And it's an important season of preparation. Um, and she would obviously have understood this. I look at my season of preparation after I had um, broken up with uh, this one girl, and we'd actually gone through this time of... Um, I just was by myself praying, God, you know, what is for me? Is there anyone out there for me? This was the season of preparation that I had. I remember one night I was just crying, calling out to God, saying, will I ever find the one, that person who can really, you know, that I want to spend the rest of my life with? And I was reminded of what a good friend said to me in college. He said, John, before I met my wife, (laughs) I had somebody tell me a very important thing, and they told him, um, that I had to lay down my rights. I had to lay down my desires to be married ever find, expecting that I would find someone to be married to, to spend the rest of my life with, and say, God, whatever you want me to do, I will be honest to you and I will follow you. And he said, it's not a prayer that you can just pray 
and it just happens. He said, you know, it's just more of this heart thing that you really need to turn this over to God. And he said, a while later, I met my wife. And now, I want to encourage you, this is not like a prayer that you just, you know, pray and say, God, <laughs> you know, I give my life to you, I'll do whatever you want, and then you're going to meet the special person the next day. Um, it took me, after I, this night, prayed and just said, God, I turn this over to you. It took me, I, four to six months later, I actually had met Emily. I know people, though, who in this season of preparation, it's been years since they've even, you know, dated anyone or anything. But it's a season of preparation that we work on becoming who God has called us to be. During this time, I spent more time in prayer. I spent more time seeking God, getting to know him, trying to build up the character of who I was. I think initially I thought, um, there's nobody out there. I'll never find one who will live up to my standards. But I think as I looked at it, I really realized I was obnoxious, loud, undisciplined, and uh, as Jay Bear could probably let you know, too, I was annoying at times. Um, <laughs> thank you, thank you. But it was a season of preparation for me that I had to build this character. And we all will go through this, in, really, in any relationship. These are seasons that happen married or even when you're single. But during this time, we need to work on building up our godly character and our relationship with God. If we don't take the time to do this, we will rush into a springtime prematurely. And that's the thing we don't want to do this. Don't rush into spring prematurely. Because God is doing something. He's preparing us in these seasons for that next step. And if we're patient and we allow him to do the work in us and we work at developing this, then God will bring us into this next season in life. I just think that's an important thing to keep in mind. Secondly, as we find in verses 8 and 10, um, 8 through 10 of, uh, of chapter 2, you may have a season of perfection where they're talking things like, he is leaping over the mountains, my lover is. My lover is like a swift gazelle. And you may think that's just kind of weird. Like, I don't know if you ever, any of you saw the uh, Incredible Hulk movie they put it a few years ago where the Hulk's like, you know, leaping like three, you know, hundred miles at a bound. It's just this kind of weird, awkward, what's going on here. That's, you know, kind of how she sees her lover of he's just this superhero who can really do anything. Not just a regular hero like Batman or Iron Man who have no real superpowers, but an actual superhero who has superhero powers. Thank you, Aubrey. Um, but during this season of perfection, when you feel that the person you're getting into this relationship can do no wrong, I think there's three things that we really need to work on. First of all, I believe that we need to limit our time. And I'm not just talking about spending time like late in the night to like four in the morning together. Um, and that's important to make sure that you're not just spending, you know, too much time alone. I'm also talking about time with friends, with family. Your family, your friends, their friends and family are all part of who, in a relationship, if you decide to get married, this is where God takes you, that will be a part of your life. I think it's important that we really keep that in mind. Don't just separate yourself. So often that can happen where you're in a relationship and you just completely separate yourself from everyone else. Your friends, your family are so important in this. Um, for them to get to know, for you to get to know theirs, and also your family feels much more comfortable getting to know this person that you're involved with. Secondly is talk. We need to uh, talk about so many things. I'm not saying um, stop discussing about your life. What I mean with talk here is don't go so into the details of sexual things that you're so filled with. This is what I like. This is what is good. Begin to talk instead about, you know, who you are and that kind of a thing. So avoid talk that's going to awaken desires and feelings that 
are not of God. Thirdly, is touch. And I think during this time, um, the season of perfection where the hormone, just everything is great, everything is wonderful. With touch, we can be so excited and happy that we just do something stupid that we may regret later. And I think to limit touch in a relationship really helps to helps us to not go to a place where the relationship is not ready yet. Thirdly, you will have a season of discovery. It shows us in verse 14, where it talks about, you know, I see my dove, she's behind the rocks. He says, let me see your face, let me hear your voice. He's excited, the man is, to see and to hear this woman that he is just in love and infatuated with. And I guess really what stuck out to me there is how he was so happy with you know, I, I love your voice. Of During this time in a relationship, this season of discovery, we really need to focus on talking about your past and your future plans. I know for uh, Emily and I, this time was absolutely wonderful, where we spent so much of it really just talking about, I mean, anything just as just inane and um, boring as like TV shows we used to watch, where like I could make a reference to something that was just really obscure and she'd know, oh, hey, I watched that show too which was just kind of weird. Um, it was just, you know, how much shared past we had. It was just wonderful to see that. But we talked about these things of knowing where had she been? Where had I been? Getting to know each other in that way. What kind of a person have you been, are you that's been shaped by these past events? And then from there we began to talk about what are our plans for the future so that we knew where are you headed? Is this compatible? The other relationship that I was in, we actually ended up um, splitting ways because we weren't heading in the same. And that was a good decision to make. Um, there was no hard feelings. She's a wonderful, wonderful lady. But we knew that this wasn't where we were heading. We weren't heading in the same direction. Therefore, it wasn't the right thing. So I just that's an important thing to keep in mind. Talk about your past and your future plans. Fourthly, in all seasons, we need to um, protect your purity. I think that's something that so often that we forget about, that's so easy just to overlook as we get just enthralled with just emotions. And if we look at verse 15, this is the young women of Israel who are saying this. They say, catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love, for the grapevines are blossoming. Now, as we talked about earlier, the vineyard is signifying their relationship. What are the foxes? I know Russ talked a little about this last week that she guard, said guard against the, the wife and said guard against the foxes, which she was specifically, I believe, mentioning prostitutes and things. But what they're saying is guard against the things that are going to bring impurity into your relationship, be that books or websites. Even some friendships might even be involved in that. And how are you going to set up standards to protect that purity in your relationship, to guard against those foxes that will come into a vineyard and eat the fruit and destroy it, destroy the purity of it? Here are some practical steps that I felt would really help with this. First of all, inform others of your limits. Communicate, talk about these things, let them know, no, I'm not going to go further than this. Secondly, I think that we need to build some guardrails. Now, what are guardrails? I know in Montana, we may not have these. I grew up in Pennsylvania where we had guardrails pretty much I think the only time they ever broke was maybe for a storefront or for someone's driveway. And I came out here, and it was like, where are the guardrails at? It was just kind of this culture shock of, wow, what do we do here? And, uh, you know, there's 
steep cliff on one side, and there's you know maybe like a guardrail in front of um, maybe a tree that's planted on the side of the road or something. And it's just like, wow, <laughs> what's really going on here? So that was something I learned coming out from Pennsylvania. But what do guardrails do? They set up a safety zone around things. They show us, yeah, you may be able to go four or five feet on the other side of this guardrail, but if you go much further than that, you're going to go into a danger area. Like if you're at Yellowstone Park and you're Old Faithful, yeah, you can probably go a few feet off of the boardwalk by Old Faithful, but if you go much further than that, either by a park ranger or by a Old Faithful's going off, you could get hurt if you're into a danger zone. It's not the safest place to be. In our relationships, in all seasons, we really need to work hard to set up that kind of a safety zone around the areas um, of, that we can step into as far as sexual impurity. And just knowing that um, where the guardrail is, is where your place of conflict is going to be. Um, if you say, I'm only going to go this far, then that's where you're going to be tempted instead of actually... Um, if you say that the point of intercourse is the place where um, I'm going to set up my guardrail, then that is the place where the conflict, that's the place where the temptation is going to be. If you set the guardrail back further away from that, that's the place where the conflict will be. Some, uh, some people have suggested, um, and I, I, I agree with these, these are some smart guardrails to have. First of all, it may sound cheesy, but keep four on the floor. Um, that way, if you know, you're sitting on a couch, whatever, you're keeping everything just four on the floor, you're going to be safe. You're not tempted to um, get yourself in a place where um, you could cross that line. Um, next is, um, and this is one that Emily and I had really set up in our relationships of not being alone in a bedroom or on a bed together, um, just to keep our minds in that place and ourselves in that place. We were not um, crossing that guardrail. We set that up as, I won't go this far because if I do, I'll be tempted that much easier to go across that and be involved where I shouldn't be. Um, and finally, um, with this, you know, this may not necessarily be what the Bible says as far as which is what you need to do with this. This may not be a biblical truth in essence, but it's smart. It makes sense. It keeps you from entering into sin. It keeps us from entering into sin. Lastly, keep everything buttoned and zipped. And I think that's pretty easy to guess right there. So, <laughs> But, uh, yeah. So, you know, we've talked about some of this, and I want to challenge you now. I wrote in your card, what are your next steps? Where do we go from here? And I'd like to challenge you of just, here are some things, write some of these down that you may feel that you need to do. First of all, the first next step that I, I, I'd challenge you with is to check how are you building godly character into your life? And how are you nurturing your relationship with God? Get some ideas that you can do to better this, to further your character. Secondly, define in practical terms how you will guard against sexual impurity. Now, I know this is a tough thing, but if you don't have an actual battle plan, a strategy in place to do this, then you're really setting yourself up to fail. And uh, there's that old cliche of, you know, those who plan to uh, fail to plan, plan to fail. And I know that's overused completely, but I think there is some truth in that. That if you're not planning, what am I going to do in these situations, then you're really setting yourself up to just rely on your own self-will instead of some parameters that you set. And then finally... I'd like to challenge this kind of just with married people right now. And we talked about um, limiting in a relationship time, talk, and touch. 
And I'd like to challenge you, as a single person in a relationship, you need to limit those. But as married people, we need to maximize these. Sit down with your spouse. Take some time by yourself and really look through what are some ways that I can really maximize this, that I can improve here, that we can actually get better with this, because this is only going to make your relationship stronger. And those of you who may be getting married soon know that too. This is a good thing to do to begin to, um, once you're married, keep that in mind to talk about more of this stuff. How can you maximize that time, talk, and touch? Write out practical steps of how you can best do this. And you know, if we do this, we'll build strong relationships. We'll build strong character into our lives so that we can be stronger in the Lord, stronger in our friendships and relationships with each other, and we'll become more the person ready to enter into the relationships that God has for us. Um, If the band wants to come up now, I wanted to do two things. We're going to have communion today. Um, But first, I wanted to say, if people say, I've been challenged today, I'd like prayer for an area of being pure, uh, purity in my life, of um, guarding against that, of helping my relationships, of developing godly character and those things. We're going to have the prayer team will be over in the prayer room over here. Um, and just if you want to wait to move there, we'll, um, so that they can pray you know, for you guys. The band's just going to be playing uh, a wonderful song here. And so you can worship. If you want prayer, you can go over and receive prayer. And then if not, we're going to have you know, communion. You can just come up and partake of that kind of a free communion that way. At Connect, we, uh, we don't believe in a closed communion. We believe that it's open for followers of Christ to come and say, let's be a part of this together. This is something where we truly remember what Jesus has done for us. That we are sinners saved by his death on the cross for us. That um, the, the bread signifies his body that was broken so that we might live. That the, uh, the juice signifies his blood that he shed for us. And we do the communion in remembrance of what he's done for us together as a, as a community. So... Um, if you would like prayer, you can go over and receive prayer. If not, um, just there's communion up here, and there's also at the back table back there. And uh, so just kind of we can move freely there. I just want to piggyback on what you're saying, John. Um, didn't John do a good job this morning? Thank you. This morning I got up early, and, I, uh, and John and I have been working on this stuff all week long, and and I feel so passionately about what John was teaching uh, today. And, and, and I was thinking about all this kind of stuff. And I was reminiscing on this. Uh, a lot of times people, uh, and you know this, you live in the same world I do. People kind of scoff at the Christian standard of waiting until marriage for a sexual relationship. And, and I just had a conversation a couple of weeks ago with somebody who said, you know, I just really needed to find out if we were sexually compatible. That's one of those things that that people really, really believe that that is an important thing to discover about one another before they get married. And uh, and yet the Bible tells us we will be blessed if we wait until marriage. We will be blessed if we wait until marriage. And the flip side of this is that there is a curse if we don't wait for marriage. And, and I don't mean to, to say that you're going to go to hell and and, and everything in your life is going to go to pot or anything like that. But there are consequences, is what I mean. There are consequences. As a pastor, let me tell you, 
the, the consequences that I've seen, one of the most frequent ones is uh, when John was talking about that, that season of perfection that a lot of us go through, uh, you may have noticed in your notes it said you may have a season of perfection. This doesn't happen in every relationship, but in a lot of dating relationships, this is just where everything is so perfect and, and oh my gosh, she's, there's nothing wrong with her, you know, and, and you just have these emotions. This is when, in my experience, I've seen most couples jump into bed together because they're so enamored with one another that they just can't wait to go all the way. But this is where the consequences or the curse comes in. A lot of times you think this person is your soulmate. You think this person is the one. You think they are perfect. But in fact, you discover a few weeks later that they're like, they're like the devil, you know, and, and you can't live with this person. And you've already consummated the relationship. And you know what kills me as a pastor? When this happens in the church, it means we usually lose one or both of those people because they can't stand to look the other person in the eye because they're filled with shame and embarrassment. That's just one consequence of not waiting until marriage. And, and I can't say strongly enough, friends, you will be blessed if you wait until marriage. John and Emily waited. Chris and I waited. Let me tell you, it was seven and a half years with me and Chris. And we went through that season of perfection where my head was in the clouds and I, and I just... You know, you know what I'm talking about. But we waited because we believed that we would be blessed. And let me tell you something, okay? I I don't want to be gross here. We didn't need to find out if we were sexually compatible. We were. You know why? Because I'm a man and she's a woman. Bingo, it works. That's all you need to know, all right? So if you're single here this morning, and and I don't mean to steal John's thunder, but I just, this morning as I was praying about this, I just felt so strongly. Single people, make the commitment to wait. Make the commitment to wait. Build the guardrails, and you will be blessed. Now, if you haven't waited, you're not going to hell. If If you pray and you ask Jesus to forgive you, all right? I'm not, I don't want to heap a bunch of condemnation on anybody uh, because lots of us have made mistakes. I've made horrible mistakes in my life, and I'm so thankful that Jesus has forgiven me, okay? So I don't want anybody to walk out of here and go, Pastor Russ hates me, okay? I'm not saying that. I just want you to be blessed. And on the other side, what John was sharing at the end, married people, protect the purity of your marriage. You will encounter the curses of this world if you let sexual sin enter your bedroom, whatever that is. If you have practiced sin in your marriage, change it today. Ask Jesus to help you change, repent, get on a new path, and you will be blessed if you live a life of purity before the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's so important so important. Let's stand together. I I want us to pray together. Actually, before we pray, would you sing this with me?
We bow our hearts, we bend our knees, O oh, Spirit, come make us some.